firstly said thank you so much for doing this session really really appreciate it and i'll say that i very strongly feel that heavy metal is mm. if not the most addictive drug in the world second to maybe let's say fitness so i'm really curious to have a chat with you and talk to you about your knowledge in the space now i personally think you're the most up-to-date person and the most knowledgeable person in the metal scene when it comes to let's say album releases eps and extreme genre music and you are the go-to person for staying updated with all that is happening in the heavy metal community so thank you so much for doing this session really really appreciate it now before we get started Sid, just wanted to check you know how has your day been so far oh it's yeah it's been a mess i literally had pest control in my house oh so me and my dog have been out of it we just got back she's literally sleeping over here is and, she doing better now? Yeah, yeah, we got her vaccinated today. We got oh, her vaccinated. Okay. Why don't you tell our listeners what is the name of your pet? So my dog's name is Fifi and uh, she's about 15. I got her way back in 2008. <coughs> and um, she's been with me ever since. If she wasn't there with me during COVID, I would have probably gone insane. But at least, you know, we had each other's back. 100% yeah 100% you're absolutely spot on and we often chat about you know your pet as well so I hope that you know she gets better and better now Sid you're constantly updated with what is going on in extreme music space and in yes. our whatsapp group that you have you're one of the only few people who constantly keeps updating people on you know the latest album releases mm -hmm. latest projects and what I really like about your messages it's really short and sweet it isn't that, you know, you're trying to elaborate or trying to show off. So I really wanted to get into the details of, you know, how you updated work with all this information. But before that, Sid, let's travel back in time. Can you tell us when was the first time you got introduced to heavy metal? The first song, the first album? Was it an event? Was it during the college days or something? Uh, well, for me, I first got introduced, I think I was about, 14 or 15, mm -hmm. and I had a friend who used to actually play bass. And uh, he started to show everybody in my high school metal. And um, not a lot of people were taken by it at first glance. But when um, for me, the interesting part was I actually started getting interested when he showed me old Arch Enemy. Oh, OK. Um, because I had never heard of woman do growls or any of that because back then the only form of music that i was closely associated with was uh, old hindi music and uh, 90s rap so Absolutely. i had no uh, i had no comprehension that even metal was a thing you know like until he came along and he opened my ears i didn't really think that there was a genre like this that was this diverse and had people who had a vocal ability to do what Angela Gosso could do with her voice, you know? And the fact she actually attracted me to the genre because that's how I started. I didn't start like how traditional people do with Metallica and all of that, no. I went straight into death metal and then traced back. That is absolutely wicked. Now, am I right in saying that this would be during the end of 1990s or early 2000s era, right? Um, yeah. I mean, if we're talking, it might have been 2008. 
Oh, okay. So that's like peak desert rock. The last yeah. desert, the last desert rock festival happened at that time. I was lucky. I got to see that. Yeah. Because that's when I got to see Opeth in action. I got to see Arch Enemy in action. I got to see As I Lay Dying in action. And that was essentially my first metal gig. Yeah, and I think Motorhead headlined the gig as yes. well. Right? Yes, yes. I, I did. Remember, but yeah. yeah. Because I remember I was back in India and I found out about Desert Rock Festival and I was like, yeah, let's why not go out and attend it. I did not know we had a scene until I actually went to that festival. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's how it started for me because, like, once I got into metal, then I just decided that let's branch out and see what actually this is. Because I mean, I started hearing folk metal, thrash, yeah. black metal. At that time, I didn't really get into black metal as much as I do now. Oh, okay, so now you're totally into black metal and stuff here. I I enjoy the shit out of it. Like, it it makes me, you know, like th I told you this on WhatsApp. Certain black metal, mm -hmm. like even with the shitty production and things. Yeah, that that's also, what makes it unique, though, isn't it? Yeah, it. I mean, barring all the Satanism crap that is there, a lot <laughs> of it. If you go into the themes of black metal, it's a lot about nature, yep. islands, uh, humanity, different things. You know, it's just one thing I realized while listening to so much metal is that we have the ability to express ourselves a lot better in this genre than others because nobody's afraid to ruffle any feathers, you know, which is, which, which is probably the best form of expression because if you think about it in metal in something like metalcore in death metal in uh, melodic death metal in progressive death metal we tackle themes like abuse depression uh, politics um, racism other things that normal genres like pop or rap wouldn't yeah. really go to unless you go really underground 100 percent, yeah you know? it's because i mean those genres blew up so much that it sort of got saturated and these topics started being frowned upon you know yeah. which is something that metal is still free to elaborate on and people are still able to express themselves and their views because at the end of the day music is the one medium that people use to express themselves creatively you know that is beautifully said and i think our listeners should know that you're an absolute encyclopedia when it comes to you know the different genres and you do know quite a lot of it in terms of you know the technicalities of it in terms of who is the record label behind the album the band members what is the history and to be honest in a relatively short period of time you know i think you know yeah, quite a lot of information related to extreme music. Me, i didn't exactly start going in depth mm -hmm. until i had been listening to metal for a good two to three years then mm -hmm. i started getting interested in different different subgenres because i mean i stuck to death metal for about two years then i decided okay, let's give this a shot and that a shot. And then when I started listening to more bands and being exposed to different things that a lot of bands were starting to do 
And then when I started understanding that, you know, the scene is going one way behind, because you have to understand, like, uh, you've probably heard of uh, Bring Me the Horizon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I've understood after listening to them for so long, because I've been listening to them since they released their debut EP. Okay. So I've been there through their deathcore days, through their uh, alternative days, and now through whatever it is that they're doing now. So I've seen them change their sound in a way that is actually beneficial to them because they were very smart about it. I'll tell you what actually interested me is that they, with every single album, showed a very steady progression in order to become what I would call the gateway band. Okay. You understand? So they started to tinker around a little by little with their sound, adding electronics, adding effects, adding choirs, adding blah, 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 blah. And um, it started to progress very, very well because diehard fans and new fans started to come together. And they still do that, you know? Absolutely, yeah. They're one of the few bands where their old fans don't feel alienated, neither do the new ones, you know, which is a which is a good marriage, which many other bands, if you notice, in the scene that many bands have blown up is very difficult to do. Because like one thing I notice, especially about the more popular metal scenes like metalcore and deathcore, is that they grow stale very quickly. Okay. Because what happens is that, say, you've got one band that tries something and it works and it makes them explode. The rest of them try to ape it. Okay. And yeah. when they ape it, obviously, they're not going to achieve the same level because they don't tinker enough to differentiate themselves. So everything in the scene starts to stagnate. Correct, yeah. You know? And that sort of brings the scene down altogether until said same band decides to blow it up again and you know show the world how it's done yeah and you know some of the things that you mentioned it does make quite a lot of sense uh particularly when you talk about the fan base and you know the classic example i can think of is let's say decapitated and i should listen yeah, to earlier decapitated i used to love it but the current one i'm really not sure the same thing is you know even with De decapitated I enjoyed when yeah. they had the old drummer, rest in peace, yeah. but he was great. I enjoyed Nihility and all of that. The new stuff is great. It's groovy, but it's not got the same tech death edge that old Decapitated had. Yeah. You know, this Decapitated sounds more like a very heavy machine head. Yeah. Compared to the, the old, old school death metal. Yeah. I mean, even Machine Head sounds, mm, it sounds like Rob Flynn is trying to be an angsty teenager when he's clearly like 40 something. And you're like, mm. his cleans are great, but the rest of it, not so much. Now, what I wanted to ask next is, you know, Sid, regarding sharing of music. Yes. Now I'm a bit old, you know, I started to listen to heavy metal going back to, you know, late 90s. And back then, there was a different way how we used to share music. You know, yeah, but, uh, I know with Bluetooth and MP3. <laughs> yeah, we used to have MP3. Before that, we used to also have cassettes. Yes. 
So, you know, we used to actually buy cassettes and used to have part, I think it was side A, side B. Yes. Replica said, but uh, when you got introduced into heavy metal, what was the community? How were people sharing the music back then? Because I'm pretty much sure right now, so maybe sharing music is a bit different right now, isn't it? Oh, I mean, right now it's even more different than it used to be. Because I mean, back when I started getting into metal, people were still sharing CDs, MP3s yeah. through Bluetooth. There was no Spotify. Yeah. Napster was just starting. Nobody really knew what streaming was. SoundCloud was erupting because a lot of bands started there. MySpace became a thing that mm. became its own genre called MySpace Core, you know, where a lot of um, interesting thing is uh, MySpace Core actually started what we now call as electronic core, you know, nice. which is electronic music mixed with uh, metal. A lot of bands like uh, Attack Attack, Asking Alexandria, all these guys started in that and blew up and became the giants now. Asking, uh, fun fact, Asking Alexandria actually started here. In Dubai? Yes. Oh, wicked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they started here and then they branched out back home in the UK. Oh, that's really interesting, yeah. Um, they, along with um, Nerve Cell, were one of the few bands that actually established that this place has a scene. Yeah. You know? Because, I mean, for me, back in 08, the first Nerve Cell record I heard was Flesh and Memories. Mm. You know, great record. And was Nerve Cell with the band that played in Desert Rock Festival? Because I'm pretty yes, much they yes. did the cover of Sepultura, yes. if I'm not mistaken. They, uh, they played Desert Rock. And it was also the time that there was an Egyptian band over there called Scarab. Yeah, they are massive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do remember watching Scarab play with Nile, and that was in yes. Liverpool, England. Uh, Scar Scarab is still around, you know? Yeah, yeah. They don't release as much, but they're still around. Mm, I mean, for me, you know, now since I listen to everything from brutal music to progressive music i tend to enjoy a lot of doom now is some which is something that i realized as i age mm -hmm. you know like for me i i like to enjoy a lot of funeral doom which is very slow and very like makes you feel like a mountain fell on your head <laughs> you know? And there was a band from Sri Lanka, which is based in Dubai yes. right now. Solidarity Sigmata, right? Which uh not Sigmata, I think they are Solidarity Depression. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I saw those guys. Um yeah. you and I saw those guys, remember? Right, yeah. Yeah. They're actually pretty good. They're depressive black metal, but they're very good. And That's... what I wanted to ask is, you know, the first band which got you into heavy metal, do you have any souvenirs from them? That you still keep it right now, or is it something you don't think about? I have not kept any memorabilia from that. I actually started keeping memorabilia um, after I took my friend to Septic Flesh. Okay. Because, because like, once I got into university, that's when I actually, because I'm t uh, in my university, we had a five-year program, all right? And during the five years, I never showed made anyone realize that I liked metal. Yeah. 
because I wasn't sure how people would uh, would react to that, how they would, you know, accept it. Because at the end of the day, given what heavy metal is and what death metal is and what metal is in general, one of the things I always wanted to do was actually try and break the stereotypes that is associated with metal. Because, I mean, you know, having grown up in a family where people don't listen to any metal at all, you know? I mean, my dad, okay, he <laughs> he told me when I started getting into metal that the music I listen to is meant for animals. <laughs> I'm not joking. He said that to my face. And I was just like, you have no idea. <laughs> my mom still thinks of that. My mom yeah. still thinks that. So, I mean, the one thing I always strive to tell people is that you can't take it on the surface level, okay? Because there's a lot of things that go into creating any form of art. Yeah, and Metal itself is an art because at the end of the day, what people need to understand is that in order to scream, there is technique involved. If you do it wrong, you're fucked. Correct, yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, people have to understand that at the end of the day, the way metal formed, it actually came out of blues. Yeah. You know? So it's it's not something that can be taken lightly. I mean, I understand you won't take to it the way other people would, but at the same time, I would appreciate if people gave it a chance because, you know, it deserves that much. 100%. And you know, said me personally, I think you might be aware about it as well. I'm into extreme sports. Yes. Do a lot of obstacle course race, and I've been doing this nonstop since 2017. And I'm still yet to find one single person who listens to heavy metal. The only person I saw back in 2018 was one guy who was wearing Slayer t shirt. And I asked him, you know, Slay, he was like, no, I have no idea what this band is all about. Mm -hmm. To be honest, you know, for our listeners, if you look up Tough Mudder or Spartan Race, it, it is a perfect combination with, you know, extreme music, let's say, be heavy metal, be death metal or even black metal. And I do feel that, you know, what you said, as long as people try to open their understanding towards different genres of music, particularly in the heavy metal side, they would get a better understanding of, you know, what it means to absolutely spot on. I mean, I mean, you know, think about it. Something as simple as uh, cattle decapitation, okay? Yeah. Very abrasive sound, very interesting sound. Yeah. Uh, extremely varied vocal range, but yeah. at the same time, very important themes. Yeah. You know, if people decide to give it a chance and they do a deep dive, they will actually understand that what Travis Ryan is trying to say actually means a lot for humanity. Yeah. You know? And it's that's the one thing that makes me actually share metal now. Because during my last two years of university is when I actually said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to show people metal. If they take to it, okay. If they don't take to it, Nothing, no harm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So I started showing people stuff like uh, Paradise Lost, Cattle Decap, um, 
Suffocation. Oh, I love Suffocation's new album. <laughs> yeah, absolutely one of my all-time top five bands of all time, to be honest here. I, I showed them stuff like Whitechapel. Yep. The new Whitechapel, where he does cleans too, so people understand that screaming doesn't affect your singing voice. I showed them Ginger. I showed a lot of people many things, and they started to open their ears. Yeah. And then the more they opened their ears, I got them into like Infant Annihilator and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just keep your ears open and don't judge it for what it is. Learn about it. Understand what the musician is trying to put across as a point. Don't take everything to heart. Because at the end of the day, imagine somebody trying to take a Cannibal Corpse song to heart when all that is about is just horror movies and shit. Yeah. It's more about fun and, you know, taking yeah. so seriously. And I said, you're always updated with, you know, what is going on in the extreme music genre. Yes. And what I wanted to find out is, you know, what is it that sparked your interest in being updated with, let's say, album releases or EPs by bands? Well, see, it's very simple. For me, once I started getting into the genre, I started listening to bands. I started with all the gateway bands, you know, your Metallica, Megadeth, <laughs> Slayer, blah, 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 blah. And then the more genres I explored, then I started growing my ears, you know. Then I started following different musicians, see what they would share, yep. how that would open my horizons. You know, because you have to understand, metal musicians don't listen to metal 90% of the time. Definitely not, yeah. They listen to different because if, Yeah, so, like, for me, if they shared metal, I would listen to that. If they shared classical music, I would listen to that. If they, You know? And that's how it opened up my horizons, because then I ended up listening to everything, you know? And plus, it got me to understand certain influences. You know, you can, like... The more I got into the genre, the more I started going into songs of varied length. Like I would go, I can jump from one hardcore song to a progressive song that's well over 20 minutes to a funeral doom song that's like 85 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know of any other person or any of your friend or any YouTube personality who does something similar to what you do or have, has a similar passion like yours? Or so, any person that the listeners so, can so like there's a few YouTube channels that I follow that um, actually you know widen my knowledge. One of them is a guy called um, Metal Trenches. <laughs> okay, he's very good because he number one he's a mental health professional, and number two he makes tier lists of really obscure shit. Mm -hmm. You know. And I'm very interested in that because, like, you have to understand all the gateway bands, be it your 80s thrash, 90s death metal, blah, 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 blah. All of them start to stagnate at some point. Yeah. So that's through him and through various other YouTube channels, I decided to go into the underground. And uh, one of them was actually a Canadian channel. Okay. It's called uh, Banger TV. Oh, yeah. And uh, they have a segment called the Metal Monthly. Okay? okay. On Metal Monthly, every single month, 
they break down all the albums coming out during that month, the ones to look out for, and then they give you five to ten recommendations of the underground. And the channel is still on right now. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. They have their own shows. I mean, the guy who created that channel, he ended up doing a, uh, a TV series with Geddy Lee from Rush. You know, where he asked uh, whether br- bass players are human too. <laughs> yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Speaking of bass players, I mean, there's this bass player from Mumbai, India. She's an absolute beast. Are we talking about the Bengali? Mohini. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolute, absolute, Mohini Day, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. She's an absolute legend. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, the level that she's playing in. And apparently she's played with, you know, Marco Miniman and even Steve Vai and really some top-level people. And she, she, she actually goes to Nam quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. You know? So it's... It's very interesting to see people's NAM footage. Yeah. Then you get to see new axes, yeah. new drum kits, new blah, blah, blah. And it, it's very, like, educational, but at the same time, you get to see talent. Correct. Your talent, yeah. I, I remember there was a Russian guy who used, to make, who used to play bass, and he used to make videos on how to learn bass. And he put out a video that, you know, this person needs to stop playing bass because she's so good and yeah. at a completely different level. Now, Sid, I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you, what are your top five albums of all time? Just the top five, if you have to choose. Now, you can give 10, you can give 20 and it becomes easier. But if you were to cut it down to just top five, what would it be? The best top five albums of all time? That's actually very easy for me because I'm just going off feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are albums that stuck with me that I can put on at any time. So one album that stuck with me no matter what and that I can actually listen to at any time is actually uh, Bell Witch's Mirror Reaper. Okay. Yeah, it's a long fucking record, but it's a single track record, 84 minutes long. Damn. You can do calculus to that shit. And uh, what it makes you feel is nothing short of bliss. You know, it's like listening to meditational music. Yeah. It's it's that good. And given the fact that it's made by just two people, puts it right up there. Then, um, so that was one record. Now we go on to the next one. So the other record that made me feel something was actually, uh, I forgot the record's name, but I think it was uh, Fragments of Degeneration by uh, Disharmonia Mundi. Oh, yeah. A very good Italian mellow death band that isn't around anymore. Um, They were very, very good. They had three vocalists and... um, some of the stuff that they did with the guy from Soilwork, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Damn. And um, I also like uh, some really obscure black metal. Like uh, recently, one of the artists that I listened to, his name was Nun. Okay. How do you, okay. N O N E. Okay. Nun. And um, he made an album called Inevitable. It came out this year. 
very, very good piece of atmospheric death metal. I mean, not death metal, sorry, black metal. Would that be in your top five, or do you say, or just the best album of this year? Uh, it's one of the best of this year. It's not the best. There's oh, others that are much better, but he's an artist that I look out for, you know. And um, one of the other, uh, so that was three albums, right? Yeah. So my fourth album is actually one called, uh, I forgot the name, but I know the artist. So the artist is actually a progressive death metal band and their name is Illustrium. And the, ah, I remember the name now. So the album's called The Monument of Silence. And uh, that album fascinates me so much because it is probably the best deep dive on uh, musicality as well as theme because the album is about mental health. And it tackles every single issue you can think of of mental health. You know? Every song is tackling a different part of, you know, how people deal with it. And then, so how many albums was that? Three or four? So my last uh, recommendation is actually uh, an album that has stuck with me. And it's something that I don't think I will ever experience ever again, unless this band manages to create magic like that. And um, it's actually a purely instrumental album. And it's uh, it's called uh, From the Gallery of Sleep. Okay. By uh, Night Versus. That, that record was actually their first uh, album as an instrumental band. And what they created is uh, something that I still cannot come to terms with because every single song is a different landscape, you know? It's like traveling an entire planet where every single song is just crafted to perfection. They make you feel so many things. There's different atmospheres. There's... I've never seen three people play their instruments so uh how do i put this they they play it so formidably that you just you're in awe and artistic isn't it yeah it, it, it it's it's one of the albums that is the ultimate form of expression you know uh, yeah. to make your instrument sing in a way that you're able to effectively communicate what you're trying to say is the ultimate form of expression. One hundred agree. Yeah. And like, it is an uh, it's a record that I keep coming back to that I recommend to people to try because, I mean, it just it resonates with me so much. You know. Well, what I'll do is you know the show notes. I'll definitely go ahead and mention that. Now this year there have been mm. quite a lot of great releases as well. And we just briefly touched based upon, you know, suffocation, there's dying fetus. Is there any particular album or record this particular year you would recommend to the listeners? <laughs> there's many, but uh, okay, let's see. Um, one record that I 
have been listening to a lot past few months is actually um, it's a black metal record mm -hmm. and uh, I enjoy the shit out of it. It's um, it's a it's a record by Valdron. Okay. Uh, well, Valdron and Moonlight Sorcery both made really good melodic black metal records. Uh, in terms of um, the more renowned bands, I guess I liked uh, Neobliviscaris's record all the way back in May or March or whatever when that came out. Because like they're a band that makes really long songs, but they do it with such dexterity and such um, craftsmanship that you're just in awe, you know, of what they pull off. Like my ears start doing a little dance every time, you know. It's a like, that that's really wicked to know. Now we talked about, you know, the albums that you like. Are there any any albums or records that you absolutely hate? Anything that, you know, this shouldn't have been released or completely utterly disappointed. Oh uh, no, because for me like it's usually bands that disappoint, not the album, mm -hmm. you know? So for me, I get disappointed by bullshit like Six Feet Under or uh, some useless crap like, um, you know, Fallout Boy. Yeah. Or uh, there was a rock band some time ago called Theory of a Dead Man. Okay. Not good at all. Papa Roach, same thing. They <laughs> all blew up and then they went down. Falling in Reverse actually also blew up, but Ronnie is a douchebag, so no. But um, one band I enjoy a lot of is actually a band called Defiler. Where are they from? So Defiler is from the U.S. and okay. um, they were actually one of the pioneers of deathcore, with uh, you know last test, last ten seconds of life, then um, who else? Forgot Suicide Silence, all these guys. But they managed to stay under the radar. You know they made they made one very famous song called Cryomancer that blew up because of like the first. Um, the first verse. Oh, I see. And uh, then they made a few records. Then the band broke up. Then they formed a new band. It didn't last as long. Then they came back. And now it's basically a one-man band. And for me, I listen to a lot of one-man bands because actual creativity flows out of those bands, you know? Is Putrid Pile one-man band as well, right? I think so, yeah. Putrid Pile is a one-man band. There's a Greek man by the name of Ilos. Mm -hmm. He has quite a few one-man bands. One of his best is a black metal band called Orifus, bleh, Orifus Flame. Oh, okay. Yes. So and, is he just uh, a guitarist and vocalist on stage when they do live, or is it like... They, they, I don't they, they think do one-man bands do live unless you're author and punisher. Uh, Putrid Pal, he does live gigs, but he's just on his guitar and vocals. And yeah, that's using like pre recorded tracks. 
drum tracks, yeah. Yeah. The thing with uh, ILOS and a couple of other one-man bands is they prefer to be studio bands because okay. then they can pump Makes out yeah. they can pump out a lot of music. Yeah. You know, like somebody like uh, I mentioned right now, Author and Punisher. Author and Punisher is very fascinating. Do you know why? Mm-hmm. Because um, Author and Punisher, essentially the guy behind it, he was a mechanical engineer and uh, like myself. But he, um, what's interesting about him is his passion for black metal was so good that he decided to make his own rig. You understand? Okay. He's not using traditional guitars, bass, drums, no. But he's using, doing he's, what he's, he's doing. He's using a custom rig that creates, because technically he's industrial black metal, you know? So he has a lot of effects, really pounding, droning riffs, uh, shrieky vocals. It's very interesting. It's uh, If you do get a chance, you should check them out. They're definitely. And this is where, you know, the record label kicks in, isn't it? And we are briefly oh, yeah. discussed. The oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, if, we're, if we're talking record labels, um, there's many record labels that people should actually keep an eye out for. One of them is Dying Victims. Mm-hmm. Then Transcending Obscurity. From Mumbai, India? Yes. Yeah, absolutely love that. I didn't know that until I met the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, then 20 bucks spin. Um, putrid spew. Um, there's a couple of others I've forgotten off the top of my head. Is there any specific region you think where the record labels are much better than, let's say, the other regions? based on your experience or is it like I, I won't say record labels because at the end of the day a record label has a big shade you know they they don't just do one country they do many like for example yeah. let's take transcending obscurity okay transcend yeah transcending obscurity is an Indian label but they have really obscure Swedish bands yeah really obscure Greek bands um, it's very, it's a very interesting label, you know, because they don't, they don't just do death metal. They do thrash metal. They do melodic death metal. They do a lot of different things, and um, it's very interesting to be a, to be a record label because, I mean, these people obviously listen to a ton of demos, you know, a ton of demos with a variety of genres, and they. And then have to segregate who they're going to back. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, as a record label, obviously they're going to look at the economics, you know, and they're going to think about, okay, what can give me returns? You know? And are there any record labels from, let's say, the UAE or Middle East, which are picking up pace or at an international underground level? Underground level, I mean, Metal East publishes a lot of stuff. Not a lot of it is something I'm particularly interested in, but yeah. that's a different story. Um, I mean, for me, probably the most interesting project was Eamon Graves, but that's because I love my death metal. Mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you one thing, okay? As I got deeper and deeper into metal, I started to not really focus on the 
more entry level genres like for me i can't since i've started to get into really dirty vocals you know like i enjoy my gurgles and my snarls and all of that so i don't feel like i enjoy clean vocals as much you know yeah. you have, like for me now at this stage you have to be really proficient in order to have my attention if you're singing clean yeah you know and like for me i i love my dissonance i enjoy my dissonance so if i find a band that does dissonance well i will stay there for a long time <laughs> like for me i i enjoy bands like ulcerate disentomb you know defeated sanity Oh, I love the de de defeated sanity. Yeah, yeah, I like my I like my brutal death metal. I like my I like stuff like you know this year one of the most putrid records I've heard is um, Eternal Rot's Moribound. I think it, that was earlier this year, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, I I love the shit out of that record. It it makes me so happy. And all he's doing is gurgling and making random turkey noises. But I mean, I followed Eternal Rot since their debut, but you know, they just, one thing I love about, especially underground bands, like one of the bands that has gotten a lot of leverage this year is uh, the Native American black metal band called Blackbird. Okay. You know, so that guy, he's essentially a one man band as well, but he performs live with many others, like Hell Ripper does, you know? So it's very interesting to see these bands grow because when they get even a little bit of notoriety, they go into what I like to call the elitist metal sphere, which is really sad, actually, because that's the one thing that pisses me off about metal, that we have elitists, you know? I mean, if a band is willing to experiment and you have been supporting said band from their inception, you should be able to accept that they are trying a new direction. You know, if, if, if you're going to support something, support it when it evolves. Don't just expect them to stay in the same sound forever because at the end of the day, that sound is going to become stale. Monotonous as well, yeah. Yes, and then it's you're like previous record. And then you're going to regret it. Yeah. Anyway, so might as well support them when they try to experiment or even if they fail, it doesn't matter. At least they tried. Very, very true, yeah. You know, that's what pisses me off about stuff like six feet under besides his vocals which i cannot stand but yeah <laughs> and what i wanted to find out from you is this let's say you're to take a global snapshot of the heavy metal community mm. how do you think the asian region compares let's say when it comes to black metal to the scandinavian region when it comes to death metal let's say to uh florida or the western countries or different genre or different regions rather so in terms of the asian scene one thing i've noticed is that like for example 
now that we're talking, I might as well bring this up. So you and I have delved into something called K-pop. Yes? Oh, yeah, I absolutely love K-pop. That's yes. K-pop, just Blackpink, I mean. <laughs> no, 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 I, I know. But, um, you know, one of the fathers of K-pop actually started in new metal. Oh, yeah. So, and wasn't he a fan of Nirvana as well, if I'm not mistaken? The man had his own new metal band for a long time. Okay. A long time. And um, he ended up producing BTS records and oh. creating that scene. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see different countries and what their scene is and see that scene come out of the closet, so to speak. But um, one thing I realized is that in Asia, especially, it's very closeted. It's very closeted. Like, for example, one of the things that I've noticed ever since COVID happened was that there has been a rise in what I like to call the reaction channels. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody from their grandmother to their grandfather has a reaction channel where it's like elders react to Slipknot or my granddad reacts to Slaughter to Prevail or something yeah. like that. And in a way, I actually am for these channels because it opens people's ears. Plus, it also um, brings metal to the forefront, which is something that I personally regard because you know it's a genre that i love it's it's something that i feel doesn't get appreciated as much as it should and for me one of the things i specifically go for when i see all these reaction channels is watching vocal coaches yeah, yeah? i've noticed that too yeah because You'll see a lot of vocal coaches, opera singers, blah, 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 blah. They'll start reacting to metal and then uh, they'll be like, oh, my God, how can he do that? And I'm like, <laughs> and then, you know, watching them dissect that and understand that and, you know, see growth for yeah fan bases of said band makes me happy absolutely i've noticed even you know some of the jazz elite drummers they yeah. did their reaction videos on you know death metal drumming as well yeah 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 now what i want to find out next is sid you yeah. when there is a new album or record coming up what mm -hmm. are the things that you personally are looking at when an album or a new record comes out I don't really look at anything, to be fair. I just listen to what I, I listen to the material. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like for me, one of the things I do, like for example, uh, you and I know Inquisition, right? Yeah. No Inquisition, the black metal band. Yep. So one of the things I specifically do is I always tend to separate art from the artist. That is a brilliant point, yeah. You know, because say said artist is involved in some scandal, like he's a pedophile or whatever. That is the artist. What art he creates, that I will not let his personality cloud my judgment. I will judge the art based on what it is. 
Yeah, that is a very, very beautiful point because right now with the political chaos that is going on right now, people are actually judging the music based on the artist rather than the actual artworks. So what you're saying is absolutely a brilliant point. No, because at the end of the day, you have to understand, yes, it is an extension of the artist's personality. But at the same time, there are many factors that you have to take into account besides just the message that is being said. Okay. You have to take into account the technicality, the production, how memorable it is, um, whether it keeps you invested for the runtime of whatever it is. You have to think about all that while you're listening to the record. You cannot just keep your narrow opinions based on what said personality has done or what news has come out because the art doesn't reflect that. I understand. Yeah. The art communicates a specific opinion about a specific topic. You cannot use the issues clowning said artist to then form your opinion on the art that is being produced. That is such a brilliant point because, you know, if there is any controversy, people try to associate that with the actual song as well, which does not make any sense. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I... Uh, for me, personally, I'm a cinephile as well. You know, I watch a ton of movies. I make it a point to at least watch a movie a day. Yep. And uh, for me, say an actor or an actress faces backlash, I don't go around saying I'm going to do cancel culture. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I will judge the art based on what it is. If it's a well-made film, I will upload it for what it is. I'm not going to say that the performance stood out because this person is a pedophile. No. Yeah. No. That's why for me, when people bring up that uh, uh, Ronnie Radke from Falling in Reverse is a douchebag, I don't care about what he does in his personal life or how he projects himself to society. Because at the end of the day, I know he's he has a very vibrant persona. But what he produces as his art is on a very good and high standard. And that's what matters to me. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant takeaway to separate art from the artist. 100%. Because, it, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to at least appreciate the fact that the artist has spent time to create it. If you give them that time to take in their effort, that means more than cancelling them completely because of some statement that they made or some shit like that. Very true. I do feel that, you know, cancel culture needs to be cancelled. You know, that is eventually, hopefully, some way we'll be able yes. to achieve that. Hopefully it does happen, but given the way society is now, it's not going to happen anytime soon because everybody's volatile and, you know, quick to pull the triggers. Yeah, wokeism is definitely growing right now. Now, the next question which I wanted to ask is something which you already answered earlier on. That is regarding your favorite genre of music. Now, you mentioned about black metal. Now, what is it that is unique and what is it that means special to you regarding black metal? So, I mean, <laughs> I can always broaden the answer. It doesn't have to be just black metal. I mean, for me now, 
if you've noticed in the group, I don't share any heavy metal or thrash. Yeah. Because for me, I can't stand those two anymore. And one of, sadly, one of the genres that I absolutely started to despise now is uh, power metal. Okay. I don't like dragons and shit anymore. I'm way past that. But, um, like, for me, I like my progressive stuff, you know, like progressive metal, progressive death metal, progressive black metal, blah, 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 or how many ever subgenres are in there and sub-subgenres because you always have sub-subgenres of subgenres mm -hmm. and that umbrella just keeps getting bigger. The same thing with black metal because, I mean, for me, I enjoy my black metal. I enjoy the shitty nature of black metal. You know, I enjoy my atmospheric black metal because at the end of the day, when you're listening to music like that, even though it's abrasive, to me, what matters is the emotion that it gets. Yeah. You know? Because when you're listening to black metal, it's not so much the message that is being given but more the emotion that is felt when you're listening to that because i mean at the end of the day in all of the metal subgenres that is the most raw you know because it started out as being something that had started with really shitty production quality that nobody really cared about that yeah. people had to make in their own shed or in their own lodge or something like that an old speaker yeah People didn't care about that, but it still made its name because at the end of the day, it made people feel something. It resonated with them. And for me, music that resonates with me will always be higher than any message. Because at the end of the day, it managed to incite a reaction. You know, I do the, but one thing is that the reaction has to be positive. True. If it's negative reaction, that can go the other way. That's why for me, uh, a lot of black metal hits, especially atmospheric black metal. Like I showed you uh, Ringer last night, right? Yeah. Did that make your head explode? Kind of. I mean, I was listening to it at 4 a.m. in the morning while I was recording my regular podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh... something unique, yeah. Yeah. And what I wanted to find out is, you know, so the new extensive exploration of music, have you come across any hidden gems? Something that you just mentioned a few minutes ago, are there any hidden gems that, you know, you'd like listeners to know more about? There's plenty. There's so many. Like, for me, um, one of the albums that I've kept coming back to uh, this year is actually an album by Majesties. Okay called uh, Vast Reaches Unclaimed. It's a melodic death metal album by uh, members of uh, a band called Obsequi. I see. Okay. They're a Canadian band, and one of the those guys actually um, play electronic harp in a lot of their music. And it's um, very, very interesting. Majesties, though, sounds very Swedish. You know, so if you like your Swedish melodic death metal, it's it tickles that itch, mm -hmm. you know. But I'll tell you one thing. Of all the death metal records that were commercial, 
I think for me, uh, dying fetus was above all of them. Oh, definitely. I, I enjoyed my Death Cloak record. I enjoyed uh, my Cannibal Corpse, all of that. I enjoyed all of that. But the Dying Fetus record and John Gallagher just... Mm, Absolutely. Know? I mean, I can listen to Dying Fetus nonstop, 24 by 7, no problem whatsoever. Along with yeah, that. And, and, exactly. and it's just that they keep putting out quality. They haven't had any lows yet. Yeah. And, and you know, in 2000, and I'm trying to recollect, was it 2011 or 12? They wanted to play in a download festival where they don't necessarily play extreme genre music. And the hashtag that they had was why not dying fetus? <laughs> they tried to trend quite a lot in UK, and finally, they did play in download festival as well. And it was an absolutely massive event for them as well. You know, you know, I'll tell you something. Uh, for me, actually, my first encounter with Dying Fetus was a song that not many people uh, actually go back to. Because a, a lot a lot of people, when you mention Dying Fetus, they'll be like, oh, your treachery will die with you, etc., etc. But for me, my first introduction to uh, Dying Fetus was a song called Homicidal Retribution. Oh, yeah. Okay. That song and that interval Okay, where all three of them play at the same speed. Yeah. Was just ah. Oh. One of my favorite songs is you know tearing the womb. Yes. Streaks of blood. I think they have got quite a lot of covers as well. Now, Sid, one trend you know which I particularly have observed that you know when I was growing up, band members used to focus on let's say the entire album. But now, and this is not necessarily, let's say, with heavy metal genre as such, bands in general are focusing on just one single song. If you know K-pop or Blackpink, they're just yeah. releasing one song yeah, that yeah, yeah. the career is made. What are your thoughts about, you know, just one song and that is driving the entire success for it? Well, this might be how the industry is moving forward, isn't it? It It is moving forward, but at the same time, it's kind of detrimental because... The problem with uh, becoming a singles band is that when you do release your full length or your EP, it doesn't hit as well. Yeah. You know, like, for example, I'll give you a very good example. If you take something like Slaughter to Prevail, yes, the Russian deathcore band with Alex Terrible doing his extremely low lows that make you feel like Satan is in the room or whatever. Um, they are a singles band. Okay. Okay. Because you have to understand their singles get big numbers. Big numbers. And I mean really big numbers. Because once COVID happened and all the YouTube channels blew up, you have zero idea how many people started reacting to them because of Alex Terrible's lows. There were so many people. And, I mean, you know, uh, a few... Metal Critics brought this up, that Slaughter to Prevail does really good singles, but their albums don't hold up as much. Yeah. That is one trend, isn't it? They make really good singles, but when it comes to the full length, it crashes. Yeah, and that is one of the drawbacks, you know, focusing on singles. And you know what's it? One trend which I've been observing 
And this may not necessarily be applicable, let's say, to heavy metal as such, because of Instagram, you know, we have stories. Oh, Out of the hardcore musicians, they are focusing on not even a single song, but just creating music for 15 seconds. So a lot of them are making the livelihoods. I'm not sure if jingles is the right word for them, but their whole earning is just making some form of music, which is, let's say, 15 seconds long, so that, you know, Instagram influencers can tend to use that. So do you think that man, is... Yeah. Man, Napalm Death had done that in 1990. <laughs> okay. He made a fucking song for 20 seconds and that blew up. One, 100%, yeah. Napalm Death already did those things, yeah. But the problem is, you know, you can't use Napalm Death, let's say, if you're staring an Instagram story let's say for beautiful scenery that'd be absolutely wicked and wild yeah that's true but you know i'll tell you one thing that i've noticed especially on instagram it's very cringe yeah there's so much cringe content like for example now with tiktok there was this whole segment called metal tiktok which is terrible it's terrible. Then YouTube jumped on that same bandwagon making YouTube shorts. Yeah. Instagram makes reels. Facebook makes stories. All these guys just... Mm. And, and, you know, you never know with the invention of ChatGPT, artificial intelligence. Do you know of any bands that have created music purely based on artificial intelligence. Now, so far as heavy metal is concerned, I really am not sure, but... So, um, there is a band. It's called Boy What? It's a... <laughs> it's, it's, a it's a band, essentially, focused around a Spongebob character. Okay. You know Plankton, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... If Plankton could make metal using AI, that's oh, what this band sounds like. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. Yes. Uh, you have to understand, I've been on the very weird side of metal many times. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. one side, you know, which is definitely picking up pace, particularly in the region that we are living in, in Dubai and UAE, is that the gaming industry. Do you know, are there any bands that are catered or could be catered only, let's say, to the gaming industry? Because uh, one of the biggest visions of Shake Em Down is, you know, to invest heavily in the gaming industry, particularly in Dubai. I mean, if you, th if you think about it, if you take games, one of them is uh, Mick Gordon. Mm -hmm. You know who Mick Gordon is, right? The guy no, really. He made the Doom soundtrack. Okay. So... He's probably one of the last people keeping metal alive in the gaming scene. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, back in the 2000s when you had racing games or first-person shooters and stuff like that, metal used to be a part of those. Like, for example, yeah. people used to listen to Disturbed or Slipknot or Mudvayne or um, uh, Godsmack or, you know, any of these big gateway bands now. And... Then slowly, slowly, games transitioned away from that and started going the more pop route, which is kind of sad. But Yes, I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, there are some 
extreme death metal band that gets into gaming and does get a lot of recognition. Now, said, listen, I'm from the world of Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and metaverse. Now, just last week, I covered news about Megadeth, and they actually released an yeah, NFT, which goes live on the 22nd. So what essentially happens is people who buy these NFTs will get exclusive access to you know, the music. They can also get meet and greet. Now, from a technical point of view and from a band's point of view, it is absolutely great. It's additional revenue. Yeah. And it's... the biggest thing about NFTs is the middle person is kicked out. So yes. let's say if you were to buy a record or a label, the band gets pretty much 100% of the earnings. So what are your thoughts about NFTs in extreme genre? <laughs> I do think it's a very positive prospect, actually. Because at the end of the day, in every single genre, you're going to have an issue where the record label decides to fuck you over. <laughs> you know, And that happens many times. That's why bands change record labels so often. You might see a band go from Napalm to Metal Blade to uh, I Avoid Hanger or whatever the fuck that <laughs> record is called. Um, you know, so it... it it's good that bands are getting these additional sources of revenue because you have to understand if you see how bands start off, yeah, like let's take the case of um, a Toronto based band like Arcspire. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Arcspire is a band, technical death metal band, that has recently exploded because people have started to realize that bands can play fast. But at the same time, they can retain melody. You know, then that's something Oxpire does very well because even though they play at like 320 to 340 beats per minute, they still manage to retain melody. They took that and they went neoclassical. Mm. Something that is very refreshing given how big the uh, neoclassical movement was in the 90s. You know, you had shredders like Marty Friedman. You had Jason Becker before his ALS. You had um, Steve Vai. You had many others. You had even Yingwi Mamstein when he wasn't singing. Um, so it's it's very refreshing to see that. I enjoy the shit out of that because, like, you know, shred is fun. Yeah, yeah. Now we are almost towards the end of the episode. Said now, one thing which we share in common is passion for K-pop. Now I admit that I absolutely love Blackpink, not necessarily BTS. Now, what I want to do is, you know, I want to get your take on it because, look, when I look at the number of views that, let's say, BTS gets, Blackpink gets, so as a matter of fact, I'm quite active on Twitter. A normal tweet stating that one of the K-pop idols is not keeping well does actually oh support the number of views. Let's say the whole political cure situation going on. So what are your thoughts about, you know, K-pop and its impact in the music industry? K-pop exploded like nobody's business. <laughs> okay. But at the end of the day, essentially, K-pop artists are, you know, they they are promoted by their production companies, you know. It's like a proper factory assembly line. They segregate the talent 
based on how well they can do and then push forward and one thing which i found out is the team does the songwriting everything and then they decide which artist uh, gets yeah, credit yeah, for yeah, it yeah. it's strange yeah. and odd but it looks mean, like it is working you know maybe mean, it works using the same essential components like pop or r&b yeah. because at the end of the day all of these genres have multiple songwriters you know like for example we take taylor swift she doesn't write her own shit anymore correct yeah he's got like 11 people writing it yeah i think Ed Sheeran used to write for her at one point of time yeah 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 and um you know i have a friend now who has become a big k-pop head and he loves twice oh yeah and if you say any shit about twice he he goes batshit on my ass if I say I don't like him or whatever. I never did that, but yeah, I mean, you know, with all these fandoms, there comes a certain level of toxicity. And I'm not saying that just in the K-pop space. I'm saying that in the uh, metal space as well. That brings me back to my whole metal, yeah, metal elitist point where uh, especially in a genre like black metal or like metalcore or even death metal where certain bands are held in such high regard that the the OG fans start feeling singled out when the band decides to do a progressive sound or to do even simple things like add clean vocals. Have you ever seen a band received backlash because they decided to add clean vocals. You won't believe, but I remember when uh, Cavalera left uh, Sepultura, mm -hmm. Eric Green joined, and mm -hmm. he decided he wanted to do clean vocals. Okay. The sheer amount of backlash he got for that. You can't do that to Sepultura, though, isn't it? Because no. Some of the best songs Sepultura makes is with that man's clean vocals. <laughs> okay. He's great with his growls and shit, but his clean vocals are good. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, Seven Dust made an entire career out of Witherspoon's clean vocals. You know? And he came from a gospel singing background. His mom used to sing gospel. No wonder he can belt out that shit. You know? And... That brings me on to a point that I would like to discuss. Uh, it'll probably be one of my final two points. And that is inclusivity in the metal scene. You know, because until I started getting into metal, I used to think, how many women are in there? You know, are there people of varying backgrounds? Blacks, whites, Asians, blah, 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 you know? And watching... Bands like Seven Dust, Jesus Peace, all of these bands that have musicians of color really shows that there is a certain degree of inclusivity in metal. Watching bands explode like Arch Enemy, Spirit Box, Ginger also shows that women are not afraid to growl, which is so refreshing because if you see there's very few women who actually growl and now there are a couple of female fronted bands and just female 
I mean, female-fronted bands usually, if you think about it, used to be segregated into two genres, power metal, symphonic metal. You never had a melodic death metal band with a female voice. You never had a black metal band with a female voice. I mean, a couple of years ago, Holder, you know Holder? Not really. So Holder is uh, a one-woman black metal band. Okay. And uh, very good. Very is that good. from the Scandinavian region? Or? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Then, uh, for example, there is uh, shit. There is also Arcona. Mm. They're Ukrainian. They're also a female-fronted black metal band. Interesting. And, and um, it's so nice to see that, you know, people are starting to give women a chance to actually go full primal and not just be, you know, la 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 la. <laughs> And now we have Nervosa, you have Crypto, you have Sisters of Suffocation. We all of them are yeah. females in the band. And yeah. I think uh, Nervosa's drama, she's absolutely wicked in Val as well. Yes. yes. I mean, like, it's so, I mean, you know, there used to be a band. There was a Scottish band, if I'm not wrong, called Cerebral Boar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen them quite a number of times, yeah. Yeah. He used to have a female-fronted vocalist, and there were yes. some issues with that. Yes. Yeah. And she was very heavy. So, she was off from Facebook for quite some time, but recently she's back on. I know. I mean, one of my favorite uh, female vocalists is actually uh, Malika Sundaramurthy from Normality yeah. and... Uh, She's an absolute beast as well, right? She's like fucking female corpse grinder, man. Yeah, she's an absolute beast. And she's a vegan as well. And she's a Tamilian half. Uh, yeah, absolutely correct. Now, Sid, we're almost done with you know our session. I want to ask two fun questions. And you can be as honest as much as possible with that. Aliens. Do what they the exist? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> oh, okay. Um... Do they exist? I can't say for sure, actually. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the universe is vast, okay? We can't say what's going on in another galaxy compared to us because we haven't, we don't have the means to get there. But, I mean, I wouldn't completely rule out their existence because at the end of the day, we are in one galaxy. There could be life in other galaxies. They might be primitive, they might be superlative. Yeah. But we can't say that we're just the only life form. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you that is I'm not sure if you know of Alex Jones. Yeah, so yeah, yeah There's a band dedicated to Alex Jones as well. Anyways, he's back on Twitter just a few days ago. And he has posted something really stark, really critical information regarding aliens. And he's saying that aliens are already among us. So, you know, some, I'll, I'll send you the link about that later on. And the next question what I wanted to ask is, if you were to get a tattoo of your band, what would that be? Well, which band would that be? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if I had to get a tattoo of a band... Number one, that would hurt too much. Number two, I would rather do an album cover. I'm not putting Shaggy's oh, yeah. face on my body. 
Yeah, uh, Nalunka would be absolutely wicked, isn't it? That does actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually one of the album covers that continually fascinates me is um, Cannibal Corpses: The Wretched Spawn. Oh yeah, that's absolutely wicked and wild, right? Yeah, it's it's fucked up. I I enjoy the shit out of it, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Rafters of Cannibal Corpse, it is one of those bands, you know. Me, personally, I absolutely love the band because the second song I ever learned to play drums was, you know, was uh, Skull Full of Maggots. So I absolutely love that band, despite what people say. I mean, for, for me, you know, the one thing I respect about them is that even though they've kept the same sound, yeah. yeah I mean, the sound is virtually unchanged, but that if your ears are good enough, you would understand the little tiny tweaks, yeah? And those make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and the fact that they now have the main guy from Hate Eternal. Oh, Eric Crouton, he's an absolute legend oh, in the beast. Yeah, they so, made a good decision with him. <laughs> And I think Hate Nernal did play in Dubai as well, right? A few years ago. I missed that gig. I don't remember. Did they? Yeah, they definitely played in Dubai. So, you know, definitely, definitely missed. Anyway, Sid, thank you so much for doing this, man. Really, really appreciate it. Finally, is there any word you'd like to share to our audience or listeners or any advice on how to keep track on the upcoming latest records or albums? I mean, for me, it's just that even if you're a casual listener of metal just try and broaden your horizons a little bit yeah because you know rather than just staying with the mainstream it's it's good to investigate what's happening in the underground because the actual gold standard of metal is still in the underground it's not in the mainstream that's absolutely sound advice. And another thing which I liked what you said is, you know, try to separate the artists from yes. the art. You know, that is absolutely critical, especially in the woke culture that we are in. So, you know, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Have a nice one. Thank you. We'll catch up again. Don't worry. <laughs>